Hello and welcome. My name is Kirsty Rice and together with my co-host, Mickey Moffat, we are the two fat expats. And when we say fat, we mean we've packed a lot into our expat lives. With 13 different countries and six children between us, we've managed to fill our passports and our lives with a lot of expat experience. We know that it's more than finding a new home, a new office or a new school. It's the day-to-day, the how do I get my driver's license, where do I pay for a post box and does anyone know where to find a decent hairdresser? Due to COVID, I'm currently grounded in Australia with my children while my husband is working in Qatar and Nikki is in Copenhagen with her family, which is where we find her today. Hello, Nikki Moffat. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Kirsty Rice. How are you? And how's the new job? (laughs) Well, I am absolutely physically exhausted. And um, I I will have to admit, Nikki, we're very late to the party today. We were meant to start a couple of hours ago, but I was asleep. So I worked Friday and Saturday. And my day on Friday consisted of basically just running around from one room to another, being that really annoying new person at work that says, um, can someone just where are the cheese boards um where do we find the corkscrews where do we find that whatever and not having any idea from every possible section I don't think I've ever started a new job where I really haven't understood one thing about it do you know like it just there was I had nothing to give that everyone could say oh well that was good she brought that to the table I brought nothing new to the table so yes it was um oh I don't know I felt in some ways I felt about 95 years old um in that I'm working with you know back to working with a lot of younger people again um and then in other ways you feel like you know you're you're ill-equipped and then you feel physically exhausted and you feel mentally exhausted and then you feel embarrassed, you know, because you don't really know how to explain things, you know, because you're dealing with customers and you're thinking, I actually know about as much as you do about this particular topic right now. Even though I've learned lots of things, it's learning everything about them. So, yeah, I walked out the door on the Friday. No, I, I didn't stop. I literally started work at 9.30, finished work at 5 didn't stop for lunch, uh, just didn't stop and it was frantically busy and everybody kept apologising and saying, it's not usually like this, it's not usually like this and then I went back on Saturday and it was twice as busy again, so I'm not sure. (laughs) But on the Friday, I'll be honest, I got in the car and I felt really deflated and um, just exhausted And then my son needed me to drive him into the city. So I knew I was going to be in a car for two hours. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And I just wanted to get home and have a shower and put my feet up and just die and read a lot of notes that I'd written that day about things. But um, my poor husband rang me in with this really excited tone saying, well, how was it? And I was like, yeah, it wasn't great. Because I really didn't feel like it was great. 
And I think everyone very tenderly sort of walked around me. My beautiful 19-year-old arrived home with a bottle of champagne, said, come on, mum, let's have a glass of champagne to celebrate the new job, which was lovely. Um, But, yes, I got up and I went back the next day and it was better the next day. But still, work from 9.30 till 4.30 did not stop. And I have such an appreciation for people that own wineries now and what is involved and just how much work they do. Um, And it's so broad, Nikki, because it's both... um, it's both the selling of wine, but it's entertaining. You know, now everybody gets a cheese board, you know, a cheese platter or the, a grazing table or, you know, everyone's sort of trying to do different deals to make their winery unique and get more people through the door. And um, so, yeah, fascinating. But those people work hard, very, very hard. <laughs> and so are you going back next week? Yes. So next week is the magical week when I get to pick up Henry Hot Dog from camp. So Oh goodness. Yes. So next Friday night I'm heading to the country to stay with a couple of friends that actually live literally just down the road from where Henry is. So I'm going to stay at their place and then pick Henry up in the morning. So I am not rostered on to work this coming weekend, but I am rostered on every weekend until, you know, mid-December after that. So I will be back there working. But Nikki, it's the physical thing. I mean, I'm a writer and a social media person. You spend a lot of time on your bottom and on the phone. Yes, you do. And and yesterday at work, I looked at my uh, Apple Watch and I had done 15,000 steps. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. That covers the 45-minute walk. Yes. (laughs) Well, I don't even think I get that many in a forty in a forty five minute walk. I don't and, even and think And probably also it. your fifty squats were done in that yes. time as well. Well you are because you're bending to pour and bending to pour and bending to pour. <laughs> um yes. And I I've also realized the different you know when you go wine tasting and you you're sometimes quite intimidated because you think, Oh, what if I say the wrong thing or I'm not really sure what this wine is or what I'm meant to taste when I taste it. Yeah. I want to tell people, don't be, don't be don't be feeling like that because there are people that come in constantly that feel that they know everything. That um... <laughs> so there's plenty of the other people. Yeah, so we're looking for you. We're looking so we for like. The, I don't really know what is this is. Yeah, but I like it. That's enough. Yeah, I would have that again. I would buy that. That's enough. We're happy with that. But honestly, that's what I look for when I go wine tasting or when I drink a wine. Would I drink this yes. wine again? I honestly don't care how much it is or if it's too expensive, then I think, well, that's why I like it because it's a really good wine. (laughs) But otherwise, I don't care on the label, the price. I just drink it and say, would I like this? Would I drink this again? Yes or no? Okay. If I think yes, I take a photo of the label and (laughs) go on my merry way. And the other interesting thing about it too is how quiet people are when they arrive. They're so quiet. And when you walk up, you know, they stop talking and you know let you pour and then you walk off and they start talking and they're also quiet and then 45 minutes later they're really loud (laughs) and confident um so it it's going to be a fascinating experiment in you know just watching people human people watching which i love and you love so it's perfect it's another it's another reason this job ticks a box for you yes Okay, Kirsty. moving on to our um, fact questions for this week. 
I had one that came up when we were on holidays and I talked to you about last week about having lovely conversations with my daughter when we we're on holidays. And one of the things that we talked about was what to do or what to say when people tell your your kid or tell her that she's not Australian. Mm. So even though that's the only passport she holds. So we had the conversation where people say to her, you're not Australian. And it was interesting because this week we also had parent conferences at school or actually the student com- student teacher conferences and parents sort of sit in. And uh, I in the first one was with her with her English teacher who's English and I was talking to him and then he looked over at my daughter and said, well, I never knew you were Australian. <laughs> and like he didn't know and it's in an international school and I realised why since we've had our conversation on the holiday, why she might not have pursued that avenue of conversation with him because people say to her, you're not Australian. And I said, why do they say to you, you're not Australian? And she said, well, because I haven't lived there, because I don't have an Australian accent. Um, because, and I said, are you serious? Like these are children or students in an international school who have lived all over the world in different countries and they're telling you you're not Australian. Mm. I would think that if anyone would understand, and we've, we've spoken about this before, like if anyone would understand, it's those kids. And she said to me, well, the more likely people who say, oh, okay, and just drop it are people who are on their first country move. So they've just arrived in a new country and they say, are you Australian? Uh, where are you from? And she says, I'm Australian. They say, okay. Because, and I, I preface all this by saying or, or end it by saying like she doesn't have an Australian accent, so she doesn't sound Australian. No, nor does um, she Nor does she kind of identify with being Australian either, does she? No. Yeah. No, she doesn't. And, I mean, that must be hard for her like as mm. well because she's telling people I'm Australian and they say, no, you're not. And it takes me back to when she was t- told people she was born in Hong Kong, China, when we lived in another country and they said, no, you're not Chinese. You can't have been born there. And so, and she used to get very upset about that. And so I said to her this time, I said, you know, what do you do then? She said, well, now I just tell people I'm American. Yeah. Because you've got that accent. Because you've got the accent. I was like, but why? And she said, it's too hard. I don't want to argue with them. And it just reminds me of, you know, so many different things. And I just wondered what, you know, and, and she's 15 and she's, you know, well able to have a conversation and, and back her own opinion and viewpoint. But I just thought, what can I say to her or what can we say to her or what, what tools can we give her to support her, support her viewpoint? Mm. I'd rather she tell people she was Australian than American just because yeah. that's what her passport says. <laughs> I agree. And, look, I was outraged on behalf of willow when i read this because how very dare they tell her what she is and isn't if you if you're telling someone you identify in one way well then that's it end of conversation nobody gets to tell you oh well actually i know better than that you're not that (laughs) do you know it's so so bad in every way do you know um so big love to willow because nobody needs that in their life 
I was interesting. I was talking to the kids the other day because they something came up. My eldest, so you know, Nikki, you and I've talked about this a lot before. In that we did this, you know, huge push for the, the for our kids to constantly feel yes. Australian. You know, we were went to every Wiggles concert we could. You know, sang every song, yep. did everything. You know, got them back into Australia when they were in sort of year ten, so that they had those Australian friends, all that sort of stuff. And so, but um, my elders were saying to me, oh, mum, there's still so many things that people talk about. She said, especially like now with TikTok and whatever, where people post things about, you, you know, if you were born in 2002, you know, you'll know this. And she thinks, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Because like, she doesn't know it. She wasn't there. So it doesn't matter how much you f- might feel that you've taught your kids every I mean we had them watching McLeod's daughters you know we bought every DVD <laughs> back Steve Irwin you know the whole thing because I was so hot on this you know I don't want you to feel left out I guess right yes um but a point that all the kids made we were talking about this the other night I had three out of four there the three eldest and they all agreed with this point that was made that when you are an expat child when you are in elementary school which is primary school in Australia people just accept that you they don't care where you've lived how long you've lived whatever you tell them you're Australian you're Australian that's that's it yep and that the large majority of children are all there under the same guise they've all been born in different places whatever but all of them said a big thing happens in high school where you lose a lot of people where people choose to go home at that point do you know like yep. they're going back to high school yeah so lizzie said that the feeling changes because you get a lot more children whose parents are like well we, we don't have that ability to go home we have to keep yep. we have to keep going yep. so she said the tone the tone changes drastically and that people do hang you know it does get more confusing about where you're from and who you are and i and that is something i had never really thought about but it's i guess it's true that probably children children under that age too are probably more open to all those international days and oh you're from where yeah sure I don't know much about it okay fine (laughs) and then they get older and they get an opinion about how those people look and how those people sound and hang on you can't be one of those because I've met one of those and they don't look and sound like you so I I reckon if I was Willow it's the same thing to me as the whole um so what do you do and you don't technically have a job at that time yeah and I saw it happen to a girlfriend a girlfriend of mine's just finished working uh, for a winery and we went to a winery now she's only just finished last week and the the person said to them oh so are you in the industry and I watched her kind of stumble over the answer because the correct I guess you know if you were going to be dead correct was no Yeah, I'm I'm not I've finished last week I'm out of work but you don't want to say that because you've had 10 years of working with that. So it's like, well, yes, I am. So I think it comes down to you've got to have your answer ready and you've you've got to have your bog standard. I've got to sit down and think about this and think about what my um, elevator pitch is and what my, you know, four-sentence speech is that both answers the question and nips it in the bud so that 
I don't have that awkward uncomfortableness. I know it's coming, so I know what I'm going to say. And, um, you know, Willow has every right to say, I identify as Australian because I have an Australian passport. My parents are Australian. My family lives in Australia. While I haven't lived there because I am a third culture kid and I have I have a... Because it's not even that she has totally American accent. An American would say she has... Bits and pieces of every teacher that's ever that's right. taught her, yeah. and every friend she's ever had. So, um, so you know, it's like Kylie Minogue or Elle McPherson or any of any of those guys. Yes, and it's like, mm. and maybe she needs to say that I'm just like Kylie Minogue. I'm just like Elle yeah. McPherson. <laughs> so, but that's the thing. So, and the other thing the English teacher says is, you know, but. Willow does have an interesting ability to change accents. She said, he said she can have a cut glass English accent when she wants to. And I Mm. said, yes, that's it. And the other thing that when you're just talking about it, then when you say I identify as today's teenagers are all about, if you identify as something, then we accept it. We don't push back. We don't argue. Apparently that's just about sexuality and gender and not about nationality. Yes. Nationality. So yes, I feel she could start a movement. Yeah. That's right. She could. And the other thing, yeah, so we had the conversation and we talked a little bit backwards and forwards. I said, hang on, you're telling me these kids have lived. She said, yeah, but they've lived for like 10 months when they were a baby. And I said, so what? Who knows yeah. how, how many weeks you've spent in Australia since you were born or months, et cetera, that add up to the same amount of time they've spent there in one go. I said, yeah. I said, just really think about what they're saying and what you're saying and just stand up for yourself. And she said, I, I don't bother. But then she realised that what I was saying, that these kids were just the same as her and who were they to question her yes. nationality? Or yes. Definitely not her citizenship. So <laughs> she's yes. only got one citizenship. Yeah, I said these are kids with two or three citizenships. I mean, you should be asking them to justify themselves, yeah, as opposed to them making you justify yourself. Totally. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you know, we had the it. same thing when my eldest daughter was in grade five. So she had been to school in uh, Libya and in so I guess she'd started like all that preschool stuff in Malaysia but then she'd gone to school in Libya and then she'd gone to school in Canada then gone to school in Houston Texas and then been in Qatar and she'd been at the school in Qatar for a couple of years and we had the same thing she had a Canadian teacher in grade five and we got to the parent teacher meeting and Lizzie had to show us her portfolio, as they do, and Lizzie started to show us and the teacher said, hang on, stop, 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 stop. Lizzie, your accent, (laughs) I've never heard you speak like that because she was speaking to us, she was speaking in an Australian accent and the teacher said, I just assumed that you guys were going to be Canadian and, and she was Canadian. Because she had, you know, talked with this Canadian accent the whole time. So, yeah, they are, they're chameleons, these kids of, they can be whoever you want them to be. Um, Yes, exactly. And I mean, she speaks German with accentless German because she learned it in Germany from a German speaking teacher. And it's interesting, her German teacher here is American. And, I, and we, yes. we had the meeting and then we walked away and I, and I spoke to her in German. I didn't know she was American, but when I sat down, I spoke, I was being 
bit bolshy and, and funny, funny, Nikki. And mm-hmm. like speaking, have a few sentences in German, some introductory chat in German. And then we walked away and I said, oh, my God, she isn't German. She said, I know, it's so much easier to speak in class because in Germany yeah. she was very reticent to speak because she was worried about how she yeah. spoke. She said, here... I don't care. I speak all the time. Yeah. And I said, no wonder she's raving about your German. So oh, yeah. Because, yeah, because if you can speak with a proper like... accent and intonation, Lizzie got to school in Australia and did French. I mean, Lizzie is a, a real Francophile in that she's now university French and studies different subjects yeah. in French. And um, she gone to Australian school and came home and said, I know none of the vocabulary. Like they've learned all different vocabulary. I don't even know what they're talking about. But then realised by the end of the week, oh, no, they were talking French. They were just talking French with an Australian parlez-vous <laughs> Mercy bucket. I've got it. Um, I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, Nikki. Um, yes, yeah, so I... Last thing on Willow, she needs to work out what her what her pitch is yes. going to be because this is going to happen yep. again and again and again. And so she needs to shut it. And, yes, I think using the word I identify will shut people <laughs> down straight away. Right. <laughs> okay. I like it. Nikki, I'm asking you this question for obvious reasons. There is someone in your house that works in the world of shipping. And... You know, we have these conversations with our children about our responsibility to the world and particularly with what with everything that was happening with COVID when everything shut down and people talked about how you could visibly see the impact on the environment. But I've been thinking a lot about places I've shipped and where I've shipped and what I would ship and all of that. But I want to know, is it irresponsible for us as expats to keep shipping our belongings around the world? Well, I think there are two ways to look at this situation, Kirsty. One is, yes, it is irresponsible. And the other is, no, it's not. Because if we do ship our belongings around the world, then yes. I mean, the global container shipping. So 90% of the world trade is done by sea, right? So, And the shipping industry makes up 3% of global CO2 emissions. So that that is, you know, bigger than some countries because there's 192 countries. So if there's 3%, it's more than a country. It's certainly something to be looked at from the point of view of shipping. But the other thing is, is the shipping industry is, is has been regulated and is regulating itself to be much more well, to be net zero, but also to be environmentally friendly. And there are all shipping companies now have had to move to a new fuel and or are building new ships that use a future fuel that is not yet invented, but they're, they're building ships to use a fuel that is carbon neutral. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, my husband said to me, you know, this the same fuel that they use now, which has reduced emissions, exists for the airline industry, but the airline industry is not using it because it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. But shipping has been forced into using it. So, you know, are we talking about two rules for different industries? Because the airline moves things around, <laughs> airline industry moves things around as well. So, I mean, I guess that's on the on the side. Like it is an industry and it, it's going to keep, continue to exist. It's self-regulated and government regulated. And I mean, Denmark this year got up at COP26, the, the Danish prime minister, and said shipping needs to, you know, fix itself and be net zero. And of course, uh, 
the biggest shipping line in the world is run out of Denmark. So that means the government and the shipping industry here are on board to do that. So Mm -hmm. yay for that, for, for responsibility. The other thing I think is though, if we get new things and then discard ourselves of all our things and keep doing that over and over. What is the difference between moving things and doing that? Yeah. And, I mean, I look around and I think how many things could we do without? What's the cost to us and the cost to the environment of us, you know, like like leaving TVs every time we move, obviously we sell or donate or whatever, but, you know, electronics. But what about? Other things like enough to have a container. So we've talked before about having a container versus air freight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and, and what what is the difference of those things? Having a few boxes that we air freight, and then everything else we just start from scratch. Mm. I mean, irresponsibility. I don't know. I I don't know. I'm sure that someone will do a comparison of if you a three bedroom apartment or something. If you started that from scratch and you every time or yes. if you moved it every time. I mean, I think yeah. that's a good, you know, thesis comparison for someone to have a look into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or that whole recycle around the expat world, you know, we, you and I yes. talked about this yep. as well, that that's basically, I just saw on a Adelaide expat Facebook page today, someone posted things that won't fit in the container and it had everything, yeah. you know, that they, they were selling, getting rid of it and you think, oh, I hope that doesn't get just chucked. Yeah, I hope. And that's the thing because yeah. people work against a deadline, right? So they, yes. depending on how far out, because some things you need, like how many ads have you seen? Washing machine can be picked up, must be picked up on this day. Yes. You know, because you use your washing machine <laughs> to the last minute, but then you have to get rid of it before you have your apartment yes. ins- or your house inspection. So there's this whole sort of process involved in that stuff. So yeah. there are things that get chucked because someone doesn't want it or it's like we, our washing machine in Germany, we bought secondhand when we arrived. Yeah. And then we, we tried to sell it and give it away and, and, no one came in time. So it went to a recycling Hof place. Do you know, I so, just had a flashback that in our first year of expat life, so was that 99, 2000, um, which scarily sounds to me like about two or three years ago, but it was 20. <laughs> um, I remember the company that we were with had a house, this is in Jakarta, full of stuff you could go and use if you wanted like it was a little warehouse of everything everybody had you know left behind for the next people yeah so I wonder because I I haven't heard of that so much anymore like I know no I know on the on the compound we live in we lived in in Qatar that we've just moved out of there is one huge company there that houses a lot of people and they just say, this is the furniture, this is what you've got, uh, it, it'll be here when you get here and it'll stay here when you're gone um, and you just bring a small amount with you to do it that way. Um, but, yeah, that only works if you're working for a, for a massive yeah. place, yeah. And, of course, and most people moving around the world don't do that anymore. I mean, that, no. that's a much smaller part of the market now. Yes, so there has to be a better way, you know. There just has to be a company that could, you know, 
do that, whether it was tiny or, you know, just a couple of people who start that spreadsheet of, you know, we're going to start a little tiny warehouse and, you know, in five different locations, you can drop it off there. And if someone else wants it, they can reuse it, retake for a very, you know, I don't know. It just, yeah, I think you're right because then that, that would, that would help. But you, that all good food for thought um and yes you don't want to be rebuying everything and yes that's where ikea wins you know we hear it with expats all the time they're all experts in ikea shopping yeah and the ikea hacks and ikea and now ikea takes things back for recycling as well Ah, i think i don't know i haven't researched that program for this conversation but yes i'm of the understanding that now you can return things to ikea because that's the thing like we buy IKEA bookcases all the time, but we don't take them apart and put them in a container and re-put them together somewhere else. We always give away or sell our IKEA bookcases because they don't they're not sturdy enough for international shipping all the time. <laughs> all right, Nikki, the bold statements. Um I did think of the bold statements when I was up at three o'clock in the morning completing my responsible service of alcohol so I could start my <laughs> new job last week you know that I had sort of yes I'd signed up for it yes I'd paid it had I completed it not quite so if anyone's wondering if you want to serve alcohol in Australia you have to do a responsible service of alcohol and it involves about eight hours of your life of sitting there answering questions and I have to say my kids have always been really well aware of how many standard drinks is in everything, you know, and yeah. what constitutes what and what you can do and whatever. And I realise it's because they've all done this course. The responsible yeah. service of alcohol. <laughs> so I did it and we're sitting there going, God, like a Long Island tea is about four standard drinks. That's it's, right. <laughs> it's huge. Anyway, so. Uh, and yeah. I always say, I was messaging you saying, when I did a bartending course, it was about how to make a drink, not yes. how much like a drink was <laughs> Yes, so I have continued on. You might remember I said I was going to do the acts of love for my husband, so I have done some acts of love. He didn't didn't win the Jaguar, unfortunately, that I bought for him. But there's been a little bit of... um, I've done a big focus on the bamboo. The bamboo in the shed drives him nuts that there's been new bamboo that sprouted. So I've cut it down and tried to replant it to see if I can plant it somewhere else. And I've, um, you know, tidied up his side of the bed just for him so he doesn't have to do it when he gets home. And I've put planted something right in the window when he comes home of where he looks from his where. So when he wakes up in the morning, he'll see that. Um, and I bought him um, some very nice wine that I was able to um, taste when I went wine tasting last week. So I have been continuing on with my daily acts of love, but I have to say the last two days when I was at work, there were no acts of love. (laughs) (laughs) Just thinking about it. I mean, really, because you didn't have space for anything else in your mind. Okay, Kirsty, my bold statement from last week was to book an audio course oh, yeah. or an audio editing course or audio engineering course and I went to book it and it was full I couldn't oh, get in no. <laughs> so now I am investigating other options so I went oh I'm going to do that that's my 
bold statement of the week and I went, oh, it's not so easy because this one's full and I can't get into one till March with that particular program. So I'm now, um, I've joined some more groups and I'm asking more questions online and I'm going to find another another one to do. So I'm going to roll that forward to next week so that I do enroll in the course and just not forget about it till March. So that's what I'm going to do there. Kirsty, we always ask people Send us a message. We love to hear your messages. We love to hear what you've got to ask us or what you've got to say about the podcast or the Facebook group. And this week, we were very lucky to receive a SpeakPipe message. So, and it's a question. And I want to play it for you now so we can talk about it and answer it together. Hi. Uh, How interesting. I've never done this by a voicemail before. Wondering if you guys have any recommendations for getting online therapists that your kids can keep as they move from location to location. I'm American, and it turns out that uh, the therapists uh, in Illinois, the therapists in the U.S. can only work with people who are actually physically located in that state, even if it's online. So that's not going to work for us. Um, But I have an adopted son who's eight, and uh, I would like to start establishing that relationship. So no matter where we go, he has that support. But I don't know how to find therapists that can work across country boundaries. Would love any suggestions. Okay, I feel that this would be a great one for the Truman Group. And I only say that because we've interviewed them and we had the wonderful Sean Truman on our show. So I would tell our listener, maybe go back and have a listen to him and see if he sounds like he might be someone you'd feel comfortable talking to or, you know, referring on to. Um I think he's fantastic, but he also has a whole team there and they do. That's exactly what they do. They can follow you around the world. They are, uh, they focus on expats as well. Um, so that would be my bet. Uh, anything you'd add further, Nikki? No, I just would add to say that this is an increasingly um, challenging environment because of, of um, uh, regulations around this kind of thing. And so the Truman Group, when we interviewed Dr. Truman, we had fantastic feedback from a lot of oh. people who had used the Truman Group and said, yeah. yes, this is great. Thank you for bringing this group to the fore because they do provide excellent services and they can follow you from country to country, time zone to time zone. <laughs> Etc. Etc. Because yeah. country regulations isn't the only thing; it's also time zone related, depending on where you live and what your needs are. So, yeah. thank you so much for the message, and we'd love to hear other messages as well. But we hope uh, we, the Truman Group can help you out as a starting point, and we will put the link in the show notes again of the episode that we did, so anyone who hasn't heard it can go back and listen and and see what you think. Okay, Nikki, our three favourite things. What have you been watching, reading, listening to, looking at? What's what's how's your week been? Kirsty, uh, <laughs> it's Christmas movie time. Did you know that? <laughs> Christmas movies have started. I didn't really know that. Yesterday I volunteered all day at school at a volleyball tournament and I was standing up from 9am till 3.30pm and I didn't get any many steps in at all because I'm just standing in one spot serving kids toasted sandwiches and uh, donuts. But I, I do want to, it was exhausting. And when I came home, I just did not have a mind for anything. So I thought I'm just going to look up Netflix and see what's going on. And then I saw the Christmas movies had come in. So then right. I watched a Christmas movie. It was called Love Hard. And it's that, 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 that title 
is a mashup of Love Actually and Die Hard, which are both represented in the movie. So Love Got Hard it. is kind of the, the thing. And it's a story of uh, two people who are catfished. One gets catfished and flies across the country to meet her love and uh, realised she was catfished and then that guy then sets her up to the real guy that was in his photos, et cetera, et cetera. So it's American. Uh, it's a rom-com. It's based on, you know, online dating, catfishing, et cetera. Yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> don't right. feel that you need to watch it. <laughs> not necessary. Okay, anyway, I will when not I, be watching. But it's, this, it's in this year's batch of Christmas movies. Then uh-huh. at the end of it, uh, I just, because I was so, my mind was just in neutral, uh, it, it showed a snippet of another movie and it said, you know, if you enjoyed this movie, you might like to watch this movie. And I thought, you know, didn't love that movie, but I'll give this one a go because the movie I watched, Love Hard, was American, but the other one uh, recommended was British. And I thought, you know, why not? Let's watch it. Anyway, mm-hmm. I watched it and I really loved it. <laughs> and it it's not a Christmas movie, but it is a rom-com. It's uh-huh. called Man Up. Right. Man Up, and it is from 2015, which oh. is so weird because it's like I was like, I've never heard of this movie before. Maybe it's new to Netflix in Denmark. I, I, I don't know. I'm not really uh-huh. sure how it came up. Anyway, it's about a 34-year-old single woman, Nancy. She's hungover again. Of course, all middle <laughs> all middle 30s single women are always hungover, apparently. It's Bridget Jones-like. Uh, and then she's on a train and she has an argument with another woman and then ends up meeting this woman's blind date at the station under the clock and spends oh, half the I movie. This. Have you seen it? Yes, I remember it's this. It's actually and really good. Yes, I do remember it. And sort of the whole movie is is about her sort of having to eventually tell him that she's not the person that was meant to be there under the clock. That's right. That's right. So the yes. whole movie takes place on one night. Anyway, it's also a rom-com it's about her parents' 40th wedding anniversary, so it's not like Christmas, but it kind of is That's a Christmas right. movie because the whole movie is building up to her parents' 40th wedding anniversary party. Yeah. And it's really fun and it's lovely and I it's something I would recommend if you're looking for a, a not Christmas movie but something just mindless to have a look at yeah. or a listen to. <laughs> uh, well, not listen but watch. Uh, so you have seen it. Yeah, so it's just lovely. All right, the other thing this week was, and I sent this to you so I think you also listened to it, was a podcast called Drawn to a Deeper Story by Kath Brew yep. who is – um, an expat Australian who lives in the UK and she um, she's actually a very talented artist but she also um, brings um, attention and information to the world at large about people who are more marginalised in society and, and asks you to, to, to think about it more. And so her podcast is called Drawn to a Deeper Story and this week she talked to the lovely Sarah and Sarah is a woman and the, the podcast was called Valuing Motherhood Over Womanhood and it, it just really resonated with me and a lot of people who have talked about with it because it, it it's like when we were just talking about Willow earlier, it's, it's the question. So you go to an expat coffee morning and someone says, what do you do? And if you don't have the answer, people treat you or 
they do the internal filing of putting you in another basket because you don't yeah. have a job or you whatever. You don't and have then to offer them. With, you don't have you're right, that's right. And with Sarah, she doesn't have children, and so they say, Do you have kids? And she says no. And then she feels another level of that on top of that. And it was just about the the questions and the the insight from how she felt about that. And it really made me reflect on the what do you do question and, and all the internal biases that you have or, or, do, or don't even realise that you have um, because of this situation. And it, it, mm. I just thought Kath really and Sarah had a great conversation about, you know, why it exists and it wasn't judgmental at all. It was just a, a conversation. I don't know. Kirsty, you listened to it as well. What did you think? Yeah, no, I thought it was great. And I think I think it's interesting um, how things happen in different age stages, don't they? Because I remember yes. interviewing a woman uh, for, I don't know if you remember, I did a video series years ago calling, yes. uh, what, what was it called? Something about, oh, oh, and I can't even remember. I think the inference was something about what have I done or why did I move here or what brings you here or something anyway. But it was women from all over the place. Gee, I'm good at promoting my own things. Um, but it was from women all over the place and it talked about why they'd moved where they'd moved and how it, ha- how it had affected their lives, like making that move. But I can remember there was a woman who came to my, because I did all of it at my house because I had all the recording stuff and everything yes. set up. And there was a woman who came to my house and um, she said, I don't ever come on this side of town because this is where all the breeders uh, live. <laughs> And because she lived over in the apartments, which is basically where my husband has just moved to, you know, now that he's downsized. Uh, And, you know, and in the world of the apartments on the Pearl, that was far more back then. I'm sure it's changed again, but that was far more sort of probably over 50s, growing children, you know, um, probably a lot more working um, women as well for their careers, you know, double income whatever, but I remember feeling like, oh, I'm a breeder and I live over here because I'm close to the school and I am a subset of a subset, right? Um, And I agree, you see that happen with childless people as well, of those assumptions are made about everything, what they would do with their lives, what sort of housing that they would need to have, what their weekends look like um, and and whether or not you could both cohabitate. As someone who has had four children, I feel that every couple with children needs to couple up with a partner that has no children because they will help you <laughs> no end. That's they right. are the best friends that you could ever have and we've always had childless friends, do you know, that um, yeah. have been great um had a positive influence you know around our children but it's true I mean I've I've, I'm sure I've said dumb things as well and I'm really interested Nikki in the training that you did with the um anti-bias training and what you what was your sort of biggest takeaway of how do we stop ourselves from being those people 
Well, I think so. So when I was talking to you about this, I said, you know, I, I recently sat on a parent panel for a recruitment at school for a new director and they made us, they made us, everyone who sat on a, on an interview panel did anti-bias training before we received the CVs of the people we were interviewing. We, we had to do the anti-bias training and it was, it was great. It wasn't sort of anything you didn't really know, but it just made you think about everything and it was immediate, right? So we had to do the anti-bias training. Then we had to write out questions. Then we saw the CVs. So the idea was Uh, that we had to think about what we wanted as, as a parent panel, what we wanted to ask a new director of the school, irrespective of who they were or what their CVs looked like. So it just reminds you that you just, you have, biases so many biases that you don't know about that that just exist and I was talking with someone and they said yeah I'd really like a woman but that's just my bias like that that's that's an internal mm. bias that I have that it'd be great to have a female school director but yeah. you know is that an internal bias that uh, well it is an internal bias because I think it would be great for the school but is that the best person for the job? Who knows? It is just so hard when you sit down and think about everything because they, the the video gave us the same information that you'll find in, in anything about bias is that you have you get 11 million bits of information per second in into your mind. But we can only but humans can only consciously process 16 to 40 bits of information. So our brain is categorizing and cataloging and I'm waving my arms no one can see around your head showing when you're around my head my trying to pretend my brain is doing things categorizing and information because they're thinking well this bit's too hard for you right now so these are new bits Uh but what we're going to do is all the old information you already have we're just going to put that in a category for you and file it away so for example if you've been bitten by a dog and you see a dog you're like, oh, dogs, they're bad because one bit me. Mm-hmm. But not every dog is bad, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, but you might be a person that then doesn't think about, you know, what colour the dog is or anything because you're still thinking the dog is bad and you're processing all the other information, but that kind yeah. of stuff. So it's, it's just everybody has so many internal biases. And if you spent your whole time thinking about all your internal biases, mm-hmm. you would be exhausted. Because yeah. every time you come across a new piece of information, you have to say, oh, this is the way I look at it. Why am I looking at it this way? Yeah. So it's just more about being aware. So, and, and I thought about that when I was, I was, you know, listening to this podcast. I was like, you just have to be aware when you're meeting people and talking to people that you have all these preconceived ideas. And preconceived ideas aren't necessarily good or bad. They just are. And so you have to let, almost let go of thinking if you're a good or a bad person or or your ideas are good or bad and just know that you have these ideas because of your experiences and because of who you are that all the things your experiences make you the person you are but bias exists even the best person in the world has internal biases but it's just if you try and bring them to the surface all the time it's exhausting but if you just know that they're there and are more actively conscious about it Mm-hmm. And then you can say what you said that, you know, you've always had friends who were, didn't have children because they're the best people to have. Because if you've got four kids and you, and you go out with two other <laughs> adults, that's four kids, really four adults. Handled. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, you know, for that same reason, and I was trying to think of times when I was in a situation 
where I was meeting people that didn't have children. And I think maybe the main time was when we were in Hong Kong and we did the Welcome to Hong Kong course. And that was with people of all different ages and stages. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people were young, 30s and didn't have children yet. And then a lot of, and then some of them were older and didn't have children. So the people with children were the minority in that group. Mm-hmm. So that was, um, that was sort of the time that I could think. And I, I distinctly remember there was a woman who was in her mid forties and had a teenager. And I kept thinking, God, that's, that's quite old to be doing this, you know, this whole (laughs) round the world gig. (laughs) I'm so sorry about that. (laughs) But, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like I had this huge bias, a lovely woman, loved her. Yeah. You know, she was a great friend, but I remember thinking that. And then Mm. now look at me thinking, Nikki, you idiot, you know, you, it's experience and bias And it just all sort of flows together, but it's really hard all the time to remember all the things and try and keep them front of mind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Anyway, I just thought it was, it was a good conversation to really make you think about all the things that happen and, and how you, who sometimes feel badly done by me personally, I'm not speaking on your behalf, you know, just open up and like (laughs) think about it because there are other people who are in the same or or similar positions in different ways so yes, you know absolutely everyone should take a chill pill <laughs> Kirsty, what about you what about your three favorite things three favorite things business movers the podcast uh each season they do you know a different business where they look at the story of yep. that business etc cetera, etc cetera. season nine is starbucks and it's really about howard schultz and his role as the ceo of starbucks so in 1987 um, they had 11 stores and he came in and purchased Starbucks. He'd had a relationship with them before, left yeah. because they weren't taking his ideas, you know, of what he really saw to be happening. Then he had the uh, the opportunity to buy. That in itself, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but even that in itself of how he got to buy it and who sort of had, to, who took a step back to let him buy it is really, really interesting. But yes, from... Um, 1987 to 1999, they went from 11 stores to 2,000 stores and $2 billion in sales. And I was really surprised to sort of learn that he is, Howard Schultz was completely driven by Italian coffee culture. And I would have never put Starbucks <laughs> in anywhere near, anywhere near that. And, but when when it was sort of broken down, it was like, oh, yeah, I, I I I get it in that um, while you would never in a pink fit get a vanilla frappe, no fat, no foam, whatever (laughs) in Italy, (laughs) ever, ever, what you do get in Italy is you get the aroma of coffee when you enter the building, a, a, a safe, comfortable atmosphere to relax, a feeling of community. Um, when we, you know, did our little stint in Italy, I think that that was it. It was that that feeling of community that everyone had their local coffee shop and whether they stood up and had their espresso, you know, just for two minutes and had a chat or they sat to enjoy. Um, it was, yeah. Anyway, what I thought was interesting was he taught, the, he, they'd kick off sort of showing you him completely losing his nana because he went from the CEO, he 
he went from being the CEO to the chairman in 2000 solely to focus on the big picture because he was so in love with this company that he had created and the vibe of what Starbucks should bring. And it starts with him losing it because he's gone to a local Starbucks and they are selling um, toasted sandwiches. And so when he walked in, all he could smell was the toasted sandwich and there was the whole, you know, getting the table number 33's order and that was against everything in his mind of what Starbucks is meant to be and was ever meant to be, that it was never going to be a sandwich place, it was never going to be whatever. Anyway, I won't ruin it and, and do it, but it's I think it's really interesting and I think for expats who have relied on Starbucks all around the world, because quite often that might just be the only thing that's at the airport at gate number 103, <laughs> that they might find the story interesting because Starbucks to me will always take me back to North America. But then at the same stage, you know, it takes me all over the world. There's, Star there's a Starbucks in every corner in um, Qatar as well. Uh, so, yes, um a special mention to the Morning Wars or in other countries, the Morning Show. Oh, I goodness. I don't know if you've seen the last two episodes. Nikki, they are brilliant. They are so good. Um, I think it's yesterday's episode or Friday maybe it comes out, doesn't it? But, yeah, it comes oh, out on Fridays, yep. Gosh, so good. So I'm not giving anything away, but there is the massive sort of what I think what would usually be a cliffhanger for the end of the season um, moment and that and you think wow that was just the best 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 episode for showing intense relationships and the complexity of a relationship but then we we they front up the you next blow that out of the water and totally yeah, I, blow it out of the water yeah I think with the morning wars as I or morning show, as I call it here, you mm. call it the morning wars there. But, but um, the thing is, you just think you're just going on learning about these people who are so self-absorbed and self-involved, and, and like, why yeah. do we care about them? Why do we care about them? And then they just blow this. They just put these things in there that shows that these are yeah normal self-absorbed people, but. Wow, like the the way yeah. that they can just then break down something or just introduce yeah. something to show that why they're so complex and etc mm. is just it's so clever. Like I got mm. I sometimes in episodes I vacillate between yeah, this is a bit much. Everyone's Me just too. into themselves blah yep. blah blah. Me and then too. I go, "No. No. no. <laughs> they did not do that. They yeah. did not do that." Yeah. And then I just think, "Wow, it's just so yeah. I think it's one of the cleverest shows around yeah. because I just I'm with you especially watched, the last two weeks. Yeah, I watched the first few eps and I was very much you with you saying you think, oh, these vacuous people that are so self-absorbed because they all are so self-absorbed yes. in their own importance. And that's part of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and just even I think the casting of Jennifer Aniston in that in her features of how she looks, she very well could be a morning presenter, you know, with yes. just the, you know, that the fillers and the, there's moments where she's breaking down and you can't help but think about her face. <laughs> yeah. And but it's so real to what we look at every day when yes. we're looking at yes. people 
on the screen um mm. and and just the hatred and the yeah yeah, yeah. Just and it's real it's yes. real like it like it feels like it could be something real like it doesn't feel yeah. so ridiculously over the top yeah when it comes down to those levels when they have those really yes. gritty parts anyway yeah. Yeah, um, yes. No, I'm with you. And Nikki, my last thing was I lost one of my favourite things this weekend. So one of my favourite things in the world was a footballer called Russell Ebert, who he yes. at our football club, we referred to him as God. And he passed away on Friday and I just took the news particularly badly, I have to say. And I wrote something personal on my Facebook group, a book, sorry, Facebook page about why, because it really was a sobbing breakdown, just didn't take it well at all. I have known for a year that he was going to die because he um, had myeloid-like leukaemia and there was, I guess it was probably six months ago, he went home and he did an interview from home and anyone who saw that interview was like, oh, right, you yeah. know, he's, mm. he's, he's made a choice. Um, uh, but just one of those, it, it has really got me thinking because over the past 24 hours there's been just this huge pouring of um, tributes and everybody's sort of written things. But it's really made me think about the modern sports person to the old fashion sports person and just Mm. what does make a hero and what makes a legend and so many things I read were things where where people did things before there was any Instagram before there was any social media before there was any kudos do you know of blokes saying I took my nine-year-old daughter you know to a to, to show her Albert and Oval and he was walking from one building to the other and he came across and he taught her how to handball, you know, and then he pulled out a white pen and, you know, signed her Guernsey or, you know, things, uh, lots and lots of work with what used to be known as the Crippled Children's Association where he was pushing kids in wheelchairs, you know, and making sure that they were having the same sports days and the same events and the same, you know, thing. So I think, you know, so much gets manufactured now with our sports people of what they do and there's a camera there and there's pictures on the gram and there's, you know, they they choose a charity that they do their things for, which is all really hard work and good, but it's that uh, the people that went to the, you know, Doris's 50th birthday party because they knew it was going to make her day, you know, or did those things. And I don't think our sports people get to really do that anymore. (laughs) Doris's 50th birthday party. That makes Doris sound like old when she's 50, Kirsty. (laughs) You can't call her Karen. But, yeah, but so, I would say, Kirsty, yeah. but, yeah, so I, you know, I don't follow football yes. closely at all, as you do, and you know that my husband follows the other team in Adelaide. Um, yes. But so a lot of his friends also do, but I did notice a lot of tributes on social media from them to say, look, yeah. I'm not a PAC person, but no yeah. one can deny great man. So, yes, he was a great, great man. sportsman. Okay, Nikki, um, we will talk again we'll see next it. Well, week. We will talk again next week, probably a day later, because you'll be gone to pick up. Oh, no, I'll be, be back gone? on the no. Sunday. No. So I'll be back by the Saturday night. Oh, 
So this time when we talk this when we talk this time next week, you'll have your youngest back with you. Oh my gosh, I will. So I look, he has really enjoyed it. He's done his 11k run, so he feels really good. But I think he's ready for a bit of space and a nice long shower and a change of clothes. I'm sure. (laughs) All right. Lovely. Okay. We look forward to hearing about that next week. Okay. Bye bye. Bye.